0: Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in again and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast, your first and, as far as we know, your only source of regular audio content related to Asia-Pacific's biggest and the world's second biggest property investment market, Japan. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and we've got another exciting interview lined up for today. We've got with us on the line from Tokyo, Mr. Paul Feinberg, founder and CEO of Pacific Business KK Modern Living. A Tokyo-based company who specialise in furnished apartments and guest houses, mainly for short-term stays, all over Japan. Now, as interesting as this may be for tourists, traveling business, and the likes, um, as Paul will explain in a few minutes, this is even more interesting for us as property investors, since short-term stays can and do increase the yield on property investments exponentially, if done correctly, which is not a given. Now, we've been getting a lot of questions from listeners of the podcast, as well as from existing and potential clients about the advantages, disadvantages, and the how-tos of this type of leasing, and as well as the difference between Japan and other countries as far as this type of leasing goes. So without further ado, let's bring Paul in so we can learn from the best. Paul, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: Uh, thank you very much. It's nice to be with you.
0: Um, Could you first maybe explain in simple layman's terms what it is exactly that your company does and what's in it for the property owners, investors and how different this service is from your standard long-term rental leases from the landlord's perspective?
1: Well, uh, we help owners maximize occupancy. Um, We rent long-term and short-term, furnished and unfurnished. And we fill the gaps between long-term rentals uh, that are usually either vacation rentals or business travelers, um, uh, with, with, with vacation rentals or business travelers between the long term rentals that we do.
0: And what are the main advantages in this uh, hybrid or short term uh, format uh, as opposed to the normal long term leases? Is it just a matter of a higher income or is there anything else?
1: charge higher rent for shorter stays, and also you have higher occupancy. So the combination of both of those increases the return for owners.
0: I see. So higher occupancy and potentially higher yield. And by using your services, they can maximize both and at the same time avoid some or most of the headaches associated with that high tenant turnover, which we're going to get into in a moment. Is that about right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And can this be done anywhere in the country with any type of property or are there particular locations, property profiles that are better for short-term leases?
1: Well, popular places where people wish to travel uh, or people are conducting business, uh, they need to be located conveniently to the places that people either wish to go or need to go. Um, So yes, location does matter.
0: I see. And any particular property profiles, bigger ones, smaller ones, houses, apartments?
1: all of it whether it's a single person traveling or it's a family for a vacation rental obviously that a larger property is sought after
0: okay so there's demand for all types yes and is there a particular type of uh, or several particular types of guests or tenants that you find yourself dealing with on a regular basis japanese foreigners business people tourists
1: it's all of the above there it's, it's people from all over the world
0: i see And legally and regulations-wise, the short-term lease market has gone through a bit of a shake-up in recent years, especially with the introduction of Airbnb, which made it easier for uh, a lot of people to get into the short-term stay market. Can you maybe briefly run us through the legal history and the current situation of that market here in Japan? It used
1: to be unregulated, and it's always been sort of a gray area. Uh, From June 15th of this year, they're imposing certain regulations, however, they haven't really disclosed what those regulations are. The most that we know at this point is what kinds of discussions have been taking place within the government that they've published on the internet. And there's a lot that's unknown at this point completely.
0: What what type of topics do these discussions seem to be uh, hinged around?
1: Uh, They want everybody to register, whether they're private hosts or uh, company hosts, and they claim that they're going to put a restriction on the number of days that you can rent uh, short term rentals to 180 days a year.
0: That is, if they can somehow keep track of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're wondering.
0: So uh, just speaking of Airbnb, this does seem to be the go-to platform, especially for foreigners who want to lease out their place for short-term guests. But um, from what we understand, Japan also has other services and popular platforms, um, weekly mansions, uh, monthly mansions for this purpose. Could you tell us a little bit about how you advertise for and find tenants here?
1: We advertise on multiple platforms. We especially prefer to use other platforms besides Airbnb, just because of the red tape and bureaucracy of dealing with Airbnb, and we've had great success with other platforms such as uh, Booking.com and Metro Residence and some others that we are either already actively using or preparing to use.
0: I see. So, Airbnb is definitely, I mean, it is probably the most famous one for um, the layman, but not necessarily for professional purposes. Um,
1: The guests love it and the hosts don't. Let's leave it at that.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as far as management goes, speaking of the hosts, there are obviously some major differences between your standard long-term lease and the short-term stay. Um, I mean, we can mention the obvious, like you get constant check-ins, check-outs, a lot of cleaning involved. What are other some of the other things that are required from a host on a regular basis and that may be different or more intensive and how is this, um, from what you know so far, how is this going to change compliance-wise uh, with the new legislation? Uh,
1: the, the, the steps that are necessary to perform the duties of the management company uh, as you mentioned, cleaning, laundry, uh, using a reservation system, uh, keeping track of passport IDs and uh, you know other information you're required to collect from the guests. That part won't really change.
0: Right, so what is going to change is just the government's monitoring of it, is it?
1: Well, they claim they're going to monitor it, but so far the only platform that's asked anybody to provide a registration number is Airbnb.
0: Yet another reason not to work with them. (laughs) Uh, If possible, yes. (laughs) Now we we spoke a bit about legislation and regulations. Aside from the legal aspects, there are sometimes some local concerns. I know that in uh, particularly tourist-heavy cities like uh, Kyoto in Japan or Amsterdam, Venice, etc., there are quite a few local residents that are very vocal about their objections to people turning properties into uh, what they call guest houses. So we get complaints like uh, noisy, dirty guests, uh, people not liking the fact that their quiet residential block suddenly turned into a tourist hotspot. Just general local resistance to the changes that any location can go through when it becomes too popular with short-term stayers. Um, How are you finding Japan in this regard? Do you have a lot of local resistance from building owner associations or neighbors, that sort of thing? And how do you deal with that?
1: First, we need to distinguish share houses or guest houses from apartments. The neighbor's complaints stem mostly from apartments that are being rented out on platforms like Airbnb. Guest houses or share houses normally don't have any issues currently in Japan. They also, a few years ago, started uh, checking all of the share houses. And they were planning to do the same thing, but after they inspected about 85% of them and realized that under the rules that they wished to impose, uh, at least 85, 80, 90% would become illegal. And they had to find housing for 300,000 people. uh, They gave up on the idea and said that they'd come back with some new rules. Um, That was uh, at least a year or two years ago, and we're still waiting to hear what they're gonna come back with, so that may be an indication of what's about to happen with Airbnb as well. As for the complaints, yeah, I mean, if, if you're doing Airbnb, for example, with a regular apartment, and there's no homeowner's association, then you don't have too many problems. If you have a homeowner's association and in the bylaws it prohibits short-term rentals by the owners, then that's an issue and you probably should avoid it.
0: Now a convenient way around that is uh, from what I hear to lease these places out for a month or longer, which doesn't actually fall under the short-term lease uh, uh, definition, is that correct? Yes, and it's called minpaku, and anything that's 30 days or longer Mm -hmm.
1: on a contract is not minpaku and does not fall under the restrictions.
0: So as much as anyone in the neighborhood might not like it, there's not much that they can do about it at that point.
1: True. If you own a property and you wish to rent it out and you're not renting it out on a short-term basis, then you're not really a foul of any rules or regulations.
0: And of course, if you own the entire structure—the house or the building itself—then again, you're a lot, uh, you're a lot, you've got a lot of an easier life ahead of you as far as neighbors are concerned.
1: Yes, I mean, if you own the whole building, then there's—you are the homeowners' association. You make your own rules.
0: And can adjacent neighbors, um, buildings in the same street, or uh, homeowners in the same street, do anything to people renting out their entire house or building? Not really. Not really. No. Okay. And are things um, improving at all business-wise these days? We see a lot of interest in the short-term stay market leading into the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games, but also a general hike in interest in this market worldwide. Um, These types of accommodation obviously look a lot cheaper and more authentic uh, as alternatives to hotels. Have you seen demand and interest increasing on your end?
1: On both sides of the equation, we've seen to become much more competitive, which has... Put a lot of pressure on us, but at the same time, we've seen an increase in demand.
0: Okay, so definitely picking up. Excellent. Um, great info, Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was very informative and educational. Folks, if you're Japanese property owners or investors or considering becoming landlords here in Japan, we highly recommend giving you Paul and his company, Pacific Business KK Modern Living, a call. They can help you either by leasing your property from you and giving giving you peace of mind via a master lease and a very stable and reliable standard tenancy. Or if you're interested, they can also partner with you and help you lease it out for short-term stays so you can increase your profits even more. They can give you a heads up on where and what kind of property to buy if you want to use it this way. So definitely worth your time talking with them. And as always, for the purpose of market research, buying or selling properties, due diligence, representation in Japan, rent collection, bill payment, anything else to do with representing you here as you enter the Japanese real estate property market in any way, we here at NTI are always at your service as well. You can find both companies' contact details in this episode's show notes, as well as both of the company websites, and they're both packed full of useful information. Have a good read, educate yourselves. Plan out your strategy accordingly, and that's it from us today. Until next time, thank you for being with us, and happy investing!